Chapter 92 of The House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafano. Chapter 92 The Werewolf. About a quarter of an hour before this, Mr. Paul Dangerfield was packing two trunks in his little parlor and burning letters industriously in the fire when his keen ear caught a sound at which a prophetic instinct within him vibrated alarm. A minute or two before, he had heard a stealthy footstep outside. Then he heard the cook walk along the passage, muttering to herself, to the hall door, where there arose a whispering. He glanced round his shoulder at the window. It was barred. Then lifting the table and its load lightly from before him, he stood erect, fronting the door and listening intently. Two steps on tiptoe brought him to it, and he placed his fingers on the key. But he recollected a better way. There was one of those bolts that rise and fall perpendicularly in a series of rings, and bar or open the door by a touch to a rope connected with it by a wire and a crank or two. He let the bolt softly drop into its place. The rope was within easy reach, and with his spectacles gleaming white on the door, he kept humming a desultory tune, like a man over some listless occupation. Mr. Paul Dangerfield was listening intently, and stepped as softly as a cat. Then, with a motion most elegant, he dropped his right hand lightly into his coat-pocket, where it lay still in ambuscade. There came a puffing night air along the passage, and rattled the door, then a quiet shutting of the hall-door, and a shuffling and breathing near the parlour. Dangerfield, humming his idle tune, with a white and sharpening face, and a gaze that never swerved, extended his delicately shaped fingers to the rope, and held it in his left hand. At this moment the door-handle was suddenly turned outside, and the door sustained a violent jerk. "'Who's there?' demanded the harsh, prompt accents of Dangerfield, suspending his menstrualry. "'I'm busy.' "'Open the door. We've a piece of intelligence to gee ye.' "'Certainly. But don't be tedious.' He drew the string, and the bolt shot up. "'Come in, sir.' The door flew open. Several strange faces presented themselves on the threshold, and at the same instant a stern voice exclaimed, "'Charles Archer, I arrest you in the King's name.' The last word was lost in the stunning report of a pistol, and the foremost man fell with a groan. A second pistol already gleamed in Dangerfield's hand and missed. With a spring like a tiger, he struck the hesitating constable in the throat, laying his scalp open against the door-frame, and stomping on his face as he fell, and clutching the third by the cravat, he struck at his breast with a knife already in his hand. But a pistol shot from low struck his right arm, scorching the cloth. The dagger and the limb dropped, and he staggered back, but recovered his equilibrium and confronted them with a white skull-like grin and a low ha 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 
it was all over and the silver spectacles lay shattered on the floor like a broken talisman and a pair of grey strangely set wild eyes glared upon them the suddenness of his assault his disproportioned physical strength and terrific pluck for a second or two confounded his adversaries but he was giddy his right arm dead by his side he sat down in a chair confronting them his empty right hand depending near to the floor and a thin stream of blood already trickling down his knuckles his face smiling and shining whitely with the damp of anguish and the cold low ha 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 mocking the reality of the scene heinous old villain said low advancing on him well gentlemen i've shown fight eh and now i suppose you want my watch and money and keys eh read the warrant sir said low sternly warrant hey warrant why this is something new will you be so good as to give me a glass of water thank you hold the paper a moment longer i can't get this arm up with his left hand he set down the tumbler glass and then held up the warrant thank ye well this warrant's for charles archer alias paul dangerfield if you read sir thank you yes i see that's news to me oh mr low i did not see you i haven't hurt you i hope why the plague do you come at these robbing hours we'd have all fared better had you come by daylight low did not take the trouble to answer him i believe you've killed that constable in the exercise of his duty sir the man's dead said low sternly another gloss on my text why invade me like housebreakers said dangerfield with a grim scoff no violence sirrah on your peril the prisoner's wounded said low catching the other fellow by the collar and thrusting him back he had gathered himself up giddily and swore he'd have the scoundrel's life well gentlemen you have made a false arrest and shot me while defending my person you four to one and caused the death of your accomplice what more do you want you must accompany us to the county jail sir where i'll hand in your committal dr toole i presume may dress my arm certainly sir good what more there's a coach at the door you'll please to step in sir good sir again and now permit me to make a remark i submit sir to all this violence and will go with you under protest and with a distinct warning to you mr low and to your respectable bodyguard of prize-fighters and ruffians how many two four five six upon my honour counting the gentlemen upon the floor and yourself sir seven pitted against one old fellow ha 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 a distinct warning sir that i hold you accountable for this outrage and all its consequences see to that man i'm afraid he has killed him said low he was not dead however but as it seemed suffering intense pain 
and unable to speak except in a whisper they got him up with his back to the wall you issue a warrant against another man whom i believe to be dead and execute it upon me rather an irish proceeding sir but perhaps if not considered impertinent you will permit me to inquire what is the particular offence which that other person has committed and for which you have been pleased to shoot me you may read it on the warrant sir tis for a murderous assault on dr stark hey better and better why i'm ready to pay five hundred guineas to make him speak and you'll soon find how expensive a blunder you've committed sir observed dangerfield with a glare of menace through his hollow smile i'll stand that hazard sir rejoined low with a confident sneer the dreadful sounds of the brief scuffle had called up the scared and curious servants the smell of the pistol smoke the sight of blood the pale faces of the angry and agitated men and the spectacle of their master mangled ghastly and smiling affrighted mrs jukes and the shock and horror expressed themselves in tears and distracted lamentations i must have your keys sir if you please said mr low a word first here jukes he addressed his housekeeper stop that you fool she was blubbering loudly tis a mistake i tell you i shall be back in an hour meanwhile here are my keys let mr low there have them whenever he likes all my papers sir turning to low i've nothing thank heaven to conceal pour some port wine into that large glass and he drank it off and looked better he appeared before on the point of fainting i beg pardon gentlemen will you drink some wine i thank you no sir you'll be good enough to give me those keys to the housekeeper give them certainly said dangerfield which of them opens the chest of drawers in your master's bedchamber facing the window he glanced at dangerfield and thought he was smiling wider and his jaws looked hollower as he repeated if she does not know it i'll be happy to show it you with a surly nod mr low requited the prisoner's urbanity and followed mrs jukes into her master's bedchamber there was an old-fashioned oak chest of drawers facing the window where's captain clough inquired low he stopped at his lodgings on the way answered the man and said he'd be after us in five minutes well be good enough madam to show me the key of these drawers so he opened the drawers in succession beginning at the top and searching each carefully running his fingers along the inner edges and holding the candle very close and grunting his disappointment as he closed and locked each in its order in the meantime dr toole was ushered into the little parlour where sat the disabled master of the brass castle the fussy little mediciner showed in his pale stern countenance a sense of the shocking reverse and transformation which the great men of the village had sustained a rather odd situation you find me in dr toole said white mr dangerfield in his usual harsh tones but with a cold moisture shining on his face under duress sir in my own parlour charged with murdering a gentleman whom i have spent five hundred guineas 
to bring to speech and life and myself half murdered by a justice of the peace and his discriminating followers ha 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 i'm suffering a little pain sir will you be so good as to lend me your assistance toole proceeded to his task much more silently than was his wont and stealing from time to time a glance at his noticeable patient with the wild grey eyes as people peep curiously at what is terrible and repulsive tis broken of course said dangerfield why yes sir answered toole the upper arm a bullet sir hm ah yes it lies only under the skin sir and with a touch of the sharp steel it dropped into the doctor's fingers and lay on a bloody bit of lint on the table by the wine glasses toole applied his sticking plaster and extemporized a set of splints and had the terrified cook at his elbow tearing up one of her master's shirts into strips for bandages and so went on neatly and rapidly with his shifty task in the meantime clough had arrived he was a little bit huffed and grand at being nailed as an evidence upon a few words carelessly or if you will confidentially dropped at his own mess-table where low chanced to be a guest and certainly with no suspicion that his little story could in any way be made to elucidate the mystery of Stirk's murder. He would not have minded perhaps so much had it not been that it brought to light and memory again the confounded ducking sustained by him and Puttock, and which as an officer and a very fine fellow he could not but be conscious was altogether an undignified reminiscence. Yes, the drawers were there he supposed those were the very ones he stooped but little it must have been the top one or the next to it the thing was about as long as a drumstick like a piece of whip handle with a spring in it it bent this way and that as he dried it in the towel and at the butt it was ribbed round and round with metal rings devilish heavy so they examined the drawers again took everything out of them and captain clough not thinking it a soldier-like occupation tacitly declined being present at it and turning on his heel stalked out of the room what's become of it ma'am said low suddenly and sternly turning upon mrs jukes and fixing his eyes on hers there was no guilty knowledge here he never had any such thing that i know of she answered stoutly and nothing could be hid from me in these drawers sir for i had the key except when it lay in the lock and it must have been his horsewhip it has some rings like of leather round it and he used to lay it on these drawers clough was perhaps a little bit stupid and low knew it but it was the weakness of that good magistrate to discover in a witness for the crown many mental and moral attributes which he would have failed to recognize in him had he appeared for the prisoner and where's that whip now demanded low by the hall door with his riding coat sir answered the bewildered housekeeper go on if you please mum and let me see it so to the hall they went and there lying across the pegs from which mr dangerfield's surtout and riding coat depended there certainly was a whip with the butt fashioned very much in the shape described by captain clough but alas no weapon a mere toy leather and catgut 
Low took it in his hand, and weighing it with a look of disgust and disappointment, asked rather impatiently, Where's Captain Clough? The captain had gone away. Very well, I see, said Low, replacing the whip. That will do, the hound. Mr. Low now re-entered the little parlor where the incongruous crowd lighted up with Mr. Dangerfield's wax lights and several kitchen candles flaring in greasy brass sticks were assisting at the treatment of the master of the castle and the wounded constables well sir said mr dangerfield standing erect with his coat sleeve slit and his arm braced up in splints stiff and helpless in a sling and a blot of blood in his shirt-sleeve contrasting with the white intense smirk of menace upon his face if you have quite done with my linen and my housekeeper sir i'm ready to accompany you under protest as i've already said wherever you design to convey my mangled person i charge you sir with the safety of my papers and my other property which you constrain me to abandon in this house and i think you'll rue this night's work to the latest hour of your existence i've done and will do my duty sir replied low with dry decision you've committed a damned outrage duty ha 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 the coach is at the door hey asked low i say sir continued dangerfield with a wolfish glare and speaking in something of a suppressed shriek you shall hear my warning and my protest although it should occupy the unreasonable period of two whole minutes of your precious time you half murder and then arrest me for the offence of another man and under the name of a man who has been dead and buried full twenty years i can prove it the eminent london house of ellrington brothers can prove it the handwriting of the late sir philip drayton baronet of drayton hall and of two other respectable witnesses to a formal document can prove it dead and rotten dust sir and in your stupid arrogance you blundering irishman you dare to libel me your superior in everything with his villainous name and the imputation of his crimes to violate my house at the dead of night to pistol me upon my own floor and to carry me off by force as you propose to a common jail kill dr stirk indeed are you mad sir i who offered a fee of five hundred guineas even to bring him to speech i who took the best medical advice in london on his behalf i who have been his friend only too much with my lord castle mallard and who to stay his creditors and enable his family to procure for him the best medical attendance and to afford him in short the best chance of recovery and life have where you neither lent or bestowed a shilling poured out my money as profusely as you sir have poured out my blood every drop of which sir shall cost you a slice of your estate but even without stirk speaking one word i've evidence which escaped you conceited blockhead and which though the witness is as mad almost as yourself will yet be enough to direct the hand of justice to the right man there is a charles sir whom all suspect who awaits trial 
judgment and death in this case the wretched charles nutter of the mills sir whose motive is patent and on whose proceedings a light will i believe be thrown by the evidence of zekiel irons whatever that evidence may be worth i don't care to tell you sir that tis partly on the evidence of that same zekiel irons that i've arrested you said mr justice low zekiel irons me what zekiel irons charged me with a crime which he was here not two hours since fastening an oath upon charles nutter why sir he asked me to bring him to your residence in the morning that he might swear to the information which he repeated in my presence and of which there is a note in that desk on my life sir tis an agreeable society this bedlam broke loose the mad directing the mad and both falling foul of the sane one word from dr stirk sir will blast you so soon as please heaven he shall speak he has spoken sir replied low whose angry passions were roused by the insults of dangerfield and who had for the moment lost his customary caution ha cried dangerfield with a sort of gasp and a violent smirk the joyousness of which was however counteracted by a lurid scowl and a wonderful livid glare in his wild eyes ha he has bravo sir bravissimo and he smirked wider and wider and beat his uninjured hand upon the table like a man applauding the denouement of a play well sir and notwithstanding his declaration you arrest me upon the monstrous assertion of a crazy clerk you consummate blockhead twon't do sir you shan't sting me by insult into passion nor frighten me by big words and big looks into hesitation my duty's clear and be the consequences what they may i'll carry the matter through frighten you ha 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 and dangerfield glared at his bloody shirt-sleeve and laughed a chilly sneer no sir but i'll punish you with dr stirk's declaration against the babble of poor zekiel irons i'll quickly close your mouth sir i never made it a practice yet to hide evidence from a prisoner why should i desire to put you out of the world if you're innocent dr stirk sir has denounced you distinctly upon oath charles archer going by the name of paul dangerfield and residing in this house called the brass castle as the person who attempted to murder him in the butcher's wood what sir dr stirk denounced me for heaven sir it seems to me you've all lost your wits dr stirk dr stirk charge me with having assaulted him why curse it sir it can't possibly be you can't believe it and if he said it the man's raving still he has said it sir then sir in the devil's name didn't it strike you as going rather fast to shoot me on my own hearthstone me knowing all you do about me with no better warrant than the talk of a man with a shattered brain awaking from a lethargy of months sir though the laws afford no punishment exemplary enough for such atrocious precipitation 
i promise you i'll extract the last penalty they provide and now sir take me where you will i can't resist having shot me do what you may to interrupt my business to lose my papers and accounts to prevent my recovery and to blast my reputation sir i shall have compensation for all so saying dangerfield with his left hand clapped his cocked hat on and with a ghastly smile nodded a farewell to mrs jukes who sobbing plentifully had placed his white surtout cloakwise over his shoulders buttoning it about his throat the hall door stood open the candles flared in the night air and with the jaunty resolute step of a man marching to victory and revenge he walked out and lightly mounted to his place she saw the constables get in and one glimpse more of the white grim face she knew so well the defiant smirk the blood-stained shirt-sleeve and the coach-door shut at the crack of the whip and the driver's voice the horses scrambled into motion the wheels revolved and the master of the brass castle and the equipage glided away like a magic lantern group from before the eyes and the candle of the weeping mrs jukes end of chapter ninety two recording by john brandon